Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. Rudo, AJ, Jesse, and Megan live coming at you on a today's show I'm back in Colorado, and it has not stopped raining since I touched down in this state. So either yeah, the state I'm sorry is crying or you left. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure if it's good or bad at this point. I think the rain is good for like plants and stuff, but also it seems like every 30 minutes a new place is flooding. So that seems bad. I don't know, bro. I got I got back uh, yesterday, and a bunch of my I guess the rain I guess the rainstorm yesterday was nuts. Yeah. Uh, we- we had to fly like an extra hour around the storm to land. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah. So we, we thankfully avoided that. it on the, on the flight. My buddy who did the free agency day pod with us for a bit on his way out here, same thing. they actually had to land in Wyoming refuel and then come the rest of the way. Brutal. But uh, dude, some of my plants, like it looks like the rain, like, like broke a few of them. Like they, uh, now, now that it finally, there's like a little bit of reprieve. Once we're done here, I got to go out and, do some horticulture medical assistance to what's going on out there. Yeah. There's some, uh, some dead plants in our backyard too. So, <laughs> but yes, the, the moisture is good. And, and, and yeah, we, uh, we didn't have a show yesterday. Uh, I was supposed to be back Sunday. Uh, but, uh, you can thank Southwest and John Wayne airport, uh, canceled our flight. So we ended up not being able to get back till yesterday evening. Uh, so just kind of threw the the pod and everything into a tizzy. We had plans and then the plans got changed and uh, all that. So we're back at it. I'll have a makeup for you guys later this week. Uh, but yeah, my B. Well, actually, Southwest's B, but all on, it's on like, their behalf. It's like the universe just kind of did us dirty <laughs> on that one. Well, I told you guys this on our meeting and I guess I'll... It's it's an August pod. Who cares? Um yeah, there was two flights before. So AJ sounded like you were familiar with this. John Wayne Airport has a curfew. It's a 10 p.m. curfew. You cannot fly out after 10 p.m. We were we were fine. Our flight was well ahead of that. It was in the evening, but well ahead of that. Two flights before us at our gate. We haven't gotten the official story, but it looked like someone was belligerently drunk uh, on the flight, and they had to go in and take them off in handcuffs, and they had to board everybody, then deplane everybody, then reboard everybody. Uh, and it ended up pushing our flight back to the point where we couldn't get out in time for the curfew. So that was fun. Loved that. Love that for us. I, what? I don't fly that much. Mm-hmm. Jesse, you've done a lot of, what is the best, like actually affordable airline? Because Southwest has sucked for me. Uh, Frontier <laughs> sucked for me. Delta was okay. American was okay. Yeah. So what's fucked is Southwest is supposed to be like, that's supposed to be the answer to your question. It's supposed to be Southwest. Um, Honestly, I've had 
decent luck with Frontier. You have to you have to really be committed to flying Frontier to fly Frontier. You have to be willing to go out of a backpack, take whatever seat they give you. If you're willing to do that, Frontier is the cheapest option, no doubt. Um, but it, it's it's supposed to be Southwest. I, I during the playoffs, I I actually think. Just through all the crazy last-minute flights, I think I touched pretty much most of them. I did Delta, American, United, Southwest, and Frontier. Um, and like straight up, there was not a discernible enough difference between any of them. They're all the same. Got it. Yeah. Like, like Southwest, I do uh, I do like the boarding process. Um, you know, get to pick your seat. Um, I'm a big be near the front of the plane guy. I like to get off the plane. Uh, so especially if I'm flying by myself, like I'll just take a middle up front. Don't care. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's seriously like United, which is supposed to be like the big, Oh, you know, that's the business one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it, 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 again, if you know what you're doing when you're flying frontier, it, to me, it was the same experience. Fair enough. Fair so enough. it's all I... bad. I yeah, that's the thing is that you fly enough, it's all bad. It's all bad. Uh, but I've like I I flew Frontier for a long time, and then I ran into like four flights in a row that were not great, and so I was like, all right, let's go back to trying Southwest for a bit. And like I was fine on I was fine on Southwest. You know, there there are upsides and downsides to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I I like the boarding process in Southwest where it's like. Cool. I don't mind sitting at the back of the plane because I'm never in a hurry to get off of it because I just don't like people being behind me very much. So I'm happy sitting at the back of a plane and I'll wait. I have no I have no bones about chilling at the back and just being like, okay, because uh, I'm usually yeah. the last guy off of a plane anyway. Even if I'm sitting in the middle of the thing, I wait for people to get off and then I'll go. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, for, for me, it's whatever. I, I like that process and uh, with Southwest, I like that they let me bring bags for free. Like yeah, you, you yep. start with a couple of free bags. So if you know that you're traveling for a couple of days, like that's an upside. Um, so I'm I'm about that. I also I had the the couple of Delta experiences coming up here to Winnipeg, and I loved all of those. I thought those were great. Uh, there were things that there were things about it that I think it was uh, just grand and. I bet you spirit is full of plane clappers. Oh, yeah. God. Have y'all ever actually been on a plane where they clapped? Yes. Really? I don't think so. Yes. I mean, I think it's been like decades since I've been on one. Mine, mine was a Delta time. flight, and I understood why they clapped because <laughs> we landed. We landed uh, in Minneapolis uh, from Winnipeg at like six in the morning and the plane started to slide because of because it was all of it was really really icy and so it started to slide a little bit and we were all like cool we're gonna die in minnesota and then they figured it out and it was all good and so people clapped on i mean i guess it wasn't clapping on landing it was clapping on recovering well and and like that dude that i'm totally with like that's always my like my great fear where like, cool, you made it through the whole flight and then on the lane, like we did one of those, like they kind of like skipped and had to like, I hate those. Like the, the wheels had to touch the ground a couple yeah. separate times. And it's like, okay, are we really going to make it this whole way? And then explode this plane on the runway at the airport I'm arriving at. Yeah. The front, uh, the front wheel gives out and the nose just climbs yeah, yeah. into the ground. And then the fireball comes from the front to the back. So you watch right, the you whole thing watch. and you're just like, 
come on, I'm going to be on the news like this. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know. But no, so like once you're, once you're on the plane, it's all the same. Uh, I, I'm given to understand that like, if you've got the status or the money to do like United first class and stuff, that that is a different experience. Yeah. Um, but just in, in most of my traveling scenarios, I'm just like the difference in the price isn't worth it for where I'm going, what I'm doing, shit like that. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, all, all of them seriously in any, and this is going to, I'm going to give myself bad flight luck for three years. When I say this, like on all of them, it's pretty much been the same level of it's been okay. My flights have generally been on time. Like last night was the first flight or two nights ago, whatever it was was the first flight I've had canceled in over 10, 15 years. Um, I was laughing though, because all that playoff travel, and I think I had one delay. All four rounds, I think I had one delay. You used on up all, all my your legs. good luck. <laughs> yeah, and then my first like like leisurely travel after the playoffs flight gets canceled. Uh, but I guess better now than then. I, so I flew three times this year and like hadn't flown in years before that. Um, and the thing that like really surprised me was the, the tray tables. They're like half size now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> on frontier. Yeah. 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 Um, they're they're allegedly... now tray trays. Not tray yeah. <laughs> they, they've always just looked to me like you took an iPad mini and just like cracked the back off and just like, cool. That's the tray. Like that's exactly how the boys look to me. Allegedly, I haven't seen it yet. One of the flight attendants during the playoffs on a Frontier flight was telling me that I guess on Frontier's new planes, they have gone back to full-size trays because there was enough complaints. Like we like Sonish the Hedgehog to them into like bullying them back into changing the tray tables. Um, but yeah, dude, tray tables, leaning on a tray table is the only way I can sleep on a plane. And so when Frontier did that, I like took that as like a personal attack. <laughs> like they don't want me sleeping. Brutal. Uh, anyway, we can uh, we can get into at least a little bit of actual hockey talk here before we jump in to the WJCs, which we will. We'll talk about the abs, two prospects there, and how things are going. Uh, I wanted to take a look at the NHL because we're starting to see this weird spot where. Kadri's not signed, but, you know, everyone kind of knows where that's headed. But you have this handful of other middle six guys that are still unsigned, and you're starting to see teams hand out some PTOs. Derek Stepan with Carolina the other day. Uh, you have Eric Stahl going out and getting a PTO as well. Is this the new normal? Are we going to see a bunch of these middle groundy older players start taking PTOs regularly. We kind of saw some of it last year for teams trying to dance around the cap a little bit. I don't think this is new. I think this is just how it is. And this year to this level, it feels well. And, feels and like, new. let's, let's be real here. Like the last time we saw Eric Stahl in the NHL, he wasn't, he wasn't really any good. So him showing up on a PTO kind of like Artem Anisimov in Denver last year, where you're like, do you still have it? You know, uh, I think makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, a guy like Derek Stepan, like, again, like, that's a guy whose game has fallen so far that him having to prove it in in a training camp, like, hey, are we better off just giving this job to a younger guy and him having to go head-to-head against that younger guy? Like, I think that that's a, 
I think that that's fine. Where where I'll be surprised, uh, where where I'll start to wonder, is it a new normal? Is if it's like if you see a guy like a Phil Castle, PK Subban, Calvin DeHaan, like those guys start to take PTOs, because I think those are those are guys where you're like these guys should have like real contracts here. And I, I guess castle, I could, I could really honestly see on a PTO, but those other two guys feel like these are, these are like still guys that can help teams on the defensive end where teams are always desperate for help. And we're talking about PTOs like Jack Johnson on a PTO coming off of a year where he was hurt most of the year and he hadn't played a lot of hockey in two years. That made all the sense in the world. But some of these guys that are still sitting out there, you're like, really? A PTO? How much of this do you guys think is a product of the cap? I think it's I think it's some. But also like this is like what the third off season of flat cap? Teams mm-hmm. teams should have been able to plan for this. Teams should have been comfortable in this in this realm, if they went out and they blew all their money doing dumb shit, that's completely on them. I just, it's, it's interesting to me. Uh, I, I think there's a couple things at play here. One, I, I think it's a little bit of flat cap, but I think you're mostly right. This isn't that crazy. I do. And, and I've brought this up a bunch of times and maybe you guys rolling your eyes every time I'm saying this guy, this dude's an idiot. Like, I just think the, the big injection of RFAs that hit the UFA market just really changed everything. And a bunch of people who maybe were looking at PK Subban, just as picking that name off the list, that's still out there. Um, you know, maybe they're looking at him like, ah, we can get someone who we think can do pretty much the same thing, maybe for less than what he would have wanted, uh, you know, whatever, whatever. And it's just interesting that there are some legitimate guys still out there looking for jobs. And, and the other part with it too, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago, what does a PK Subban contract maybe look like? I don't know. Like do PTO guys get multi-million dollar deals? Like if PK Subban has to go win a job on a PTO, is he really going to get two and a half, three million dollars on a contract that he wins with it, with a, with a tryout? It's and again, pick any of the names that you were just saying, it's, it's just, it's interesting to to see this this group out there, and, and um, y- you do wonder: Are this is this going to be how teams start just being a little bit more cautious about the contracts they give out? I mean, look, today there are thirteen teams operating above the salary cap, and you know that may change by the time the season rolls around. But yeah, it'll be more like twenty. Yeah, it, it may go that way. Floating on there, <laughs> so. Uh, it honestly seems like the salary cap is an afterthought. Like, ah, they'll figure it out later. That's future me's problem. Mm-hmm. So I just, I found it a little bit curious how maybe not necessarily that guys are taking PTOs right now, but how many guys are still out there when you have people sitting around going, yeah, I'll take a PTO instead of trying to wait out the market a little bit longer. But I, I we'll yeah. see. I mean, you know, well, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, though. If you sign a PTO, you can still sign a contract mm-hmm. anywhere you want. Yeah, yeah, right? you yeah. Sign with that team. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's weird to see, like you said, see guys take them, but um, 
I don't know. Maybe maybe a guy taking a PTO gets gets another team motivated. Like, oh shit, that's a guy we were hoping would still be around. Whatever, whatever. Let's get on it. Uh, an interesting situation. There's a bunch of guys I didn't expect to be there for sure. Yeah, I I don't know. Just going back to this real quick, I don't know how much the influx of RFAs had to do with it because a handful of those RFAs are still unsigned themselves. <laughs> yeah, and so you're like, what job? Like, what jobs ended up getting taken by those cats? Mm -hmm. Because some of them, some of them are still out there. Or a guy like Danton Heinen signed for a million dollars. Yeah, we were just like a mil, like good goodness, man. So I just, I, I really wonder if it's more of a teams. Teams have kind of figured out you pay top dollar for premium talent. You don't pay younger guys, and you don't give anybody four million dollars. Yeah, because if you look talent, at, and then you have efficient money to point ratios. Right, because there if you look at if you look at the majority of guys between three and four million dollars on a cap sheet, you're looking at those guys and you're like, are these guys worth it? Like they could be solid players. JT Comper is a great example. Is he worth three and a half million? Like all the things that he does, like you value them. But the point production is what it is. The The limitations are what they are. We know who he is and who he isn't. But he's, he's and, the guy, and if you like, get him at two and a half million, you love it. Exactly. That's the thing is if you get him at two and a half million, you're like, this guy's just fine for us. You know, you look at you look at Chandler Stevenson in Vegas. They are like, that's their best contract. They are sunk without that guy playing the way that he has on that deal. But if you give that guy a million more dollars and he's exactly the same player, you're still happy because he's been mm -hmm. that kind of a value. But there is a breaking point where you're like, oh, boy. And with where, where you look at the, the, the three to four million dollar range in the league right now is where a lot of teams have gotten themselves in trouble. You sign four of these guys, you know, and all of a sudden you're like, that's one premium player. Or that's a bunch of young guy spots that we no longer have where, hey, we think that this young guy could slip into this role and be a real a real player for us. But we're committed for a couple of million dollars here. You look at you look at. That that zone, I think, is just where teams have gotten in trouble, and that's the exact class of player right now that's struggling to get jobs. Oh, Rudo, you're muted. Yeah, I take one day off and everything falls <laughs> apart. Uh, it, it's a fair point that, especially under these cap restrictions, those are the guys we've been talking about that are going to get squeezed, right? The guys that, eh, you know, you see them get paid a little bit too much every single year. Now, two years from now, the cap could be up $8 million and this conversation is dead. But... In the current league, it coming into this season, that's not where teams are at. So they're kind of managing it. Uh, the one other thing I want to touch on around the league, there are th three, four major RFAs still to sign. Uh, the two teams in with the most to do there are the New York Islanders and the Dallas Stars. Dallas still needs to sign Robin Robertson and Ottinger. And then the Isles still need to sign Dobson and Romanov. They also need to sign Bellows, but less important. Uh, yeah, Keeper Bell should not be a yeah. 
tough contract for them to do. So you, you find both these teams in an interesting spot where it's a bit of a mirage. Dallas has about 10 million in space. The Isles have about 11, but significant chunks of that are going to go to their RFA guys. And then in the Isles case, it sounds like another significant chunk is going to Kadri. So, and we can start with Megan on this one. Do we expect to see any more trades this offseason, given Isles probably need to dump some cap? Depending on what the Stars do, they might be right up against the cap. Do you expect to see some value extracted from these teams? I kind of definitely, those teams you just mentioned, and I even thought of this with Florida's situation, that that might be a prime opportunity for them to consider trade. Um, because I think they were a little over the cap, too. Um, so I, I do think there's still a some little. trade you could expect to see. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I didn't peek to, like, some of these guys that are taking up cap considerations on these cap-friendly rosters or, like, sure. definitely HL guys. But I don't know how many they could get away with in that Florida roster. Per cap-friendly right now, they're about $3.5 over the cap um, with... 23-man roster, I believe. Yeah, no, only a 22-man roster. So definitely a little tight for them. Um, they're also where Eric Stahl is PTOing, by the way, if he does end up signing. So it, it feels like there's still something to come. I'll put it that way, where teams are going to have to sort out their, their cap costs. Yes, on signing their guys, but also on making everything fit. Uh, on one side, you have, all right, Vegas goes out and gets Shea Weber's contract. They'll do the LTIR nonsense. But you have a couple teams that aren't really set up very well to do that right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see some heavy maneuvering over the next month, especially as we get closer to training camps and, and things like that. Uh, looks like Jesse's having some technical difficulties. Not sure what's going on with that, but... While Jesse is out there trying to figure his stuff out, we are brought to you by Sexy Pizza. Oh, there we go. He fixed it. I think I'm back. Uh, <laughs> go to sexy.pizza today to get yourself some pizza. One of their five locations in the Denver metro area. Uh, you'll look way better than Jesse does with all those pixels in his camera. I promise. Uh, <laughs> uh, go on over there. You'll find a bunch of amazing pizzas. Yes, you can get plain pepperoni. That's your jam. Uh, but you can also get their philanthropies, which operate with all sorts of crazy flavors. Uh, Hawaiian, you know, that's your thing. You also got jalapeno cream cheese. Uh, I don't think they have anchovies, which, you know, is fine. Most people don't like anchovies. But they do have a number of other flavors. Again, go to sexy.pizza to check them out. The philanthropies, a portion of the proceeds I'll go to projects in and around Colorado. So that is super cool as well. And then... You can go on over to DraftKings Sportsbook, use the DNVR code when you sign up for a new account and get yourself hooked up with uh, the best sports betting out there. It's amazing stuff all the time. They have odd bo odds boosts, excuse me, every single day. But if you go over there right now with the DNVR code, new customers can bet $5 to bet on any team and get a $200, well, not one singular, but $200 of free bets. Right away, one hundred dollar free bets. Is that what it is? Well, no, I, I was just I was helping you clarify. I, so I think it's two 
I, I think it's actually like eight twenty five dollar bets. Ah, all right. So there you go. You you get options. You can spread the money around a little bit. This is on college football. Uh, you can go bet anything. Again, you don't have to win the bet. You just put five dollars on a college football team. Two hundred dollars in free bets coming your way. So jump on it today. Be sure to use the DNVR code. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and bet those $5 on college football to get $200 in free bets instantly. Uh, must be 21 or older. Colorado only. One per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit. $2, $200 issued as eight. $25 bets. I was right. Restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. Uh, yeah, of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Second period. The DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, let's, let's dive into it a little bit here. The only hockey actually going on, well, there's actually a lot of hockey. Shout out Australian and New Zealand hockey leagues. But, the, uh, you know, I, it would actually be an interesting conversation. How much better is the WJC compared to, like, the Australian Ice Hockey League? <laughs> A lot. <laughs> Significant. Look at the guys that go and play in those leagues, because it's not a bunch of guys it's from not Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. It's it's a lot of Canadian and American guys who washed out who are just playing for love of the game at this point. Yeah. Uh, and can't get jobs elsewhere. True. So you're talking about you're talking about guys that can't make it in any of the pro leagues. I should say haven't made it, not can't. But haven't made it in any the NHL, AHL, ECHL. Uh, haven't made it there. Didn't get a job in Europe somewhere. Now maybe that's by choice, but I doubt it. And are now in Australia and New Zealand. Like it's pretty low tier hockey. It's fun. Like it's still enjoyable to watch when you're like jonesing for some hockey. But like, let's be honest here. It's just not great. It's not a high. It's not a high caliber of the game. WJC's at least features a bunch a bunch of stars of tomorrow. We'll absolutely see numbers of future NHLers coming from yeah. that, no doubt. Every every WJC does. Well, on that note, the Avs sent two prospects to the thing. Uh, I'll I'll defer to Megan here first because she's been on top of it, and. I, I'm not sure what you can tell me about Sean Barons. Obviously, he hasn't been playing. Sounds like some kind of injury. But if not Barons, you at least have Oscar Lawson to talk about. Yeah, I feel like I could talk about both a little bit. For Barons, I'll set I'll set the stage a little bit. It starts conspiratorial, but I promise I'll rein it in at the end here. He played in the pre-tournament games, and he was kind of being optioned for that top pair. Obviously, that is Hughes and Faber's pairing. Like, that's just the biggest lock for this tournament. Um, but game one comes around and Barons doesn't even dress. Um, so there's just some things I want people to consider when they evaluate Barons in this World Juniors appearance. Um, and one of those is that the decor for the Team USA is pretty left-hand heavy. Um, and outside of that top pair, they're 18, 19 years old. Everyone else is around 20 years old. So he's one of the younger guys in the decor too. Um, so he'll get another look at this tournament um, in December potentially. And so I think that this outside of that top pair, a lot of guys are getting looks um, and he has to compete and audition for that role. Um, he does dress in game two. 
an hour before puck drop, he was looking at playing on that third pair on his offside. And then the broadcast had him as the seventh man. And that was true. And the way that he was utilized in this game, it was the Swiss game. Um, he was rotating in on that second pair on his offside. And he was appearing on special teams. He got a couple looks on the PK, on the power play. Um, and so, you know, when you talk about the seventh man, he is still held in high regard in the way that they were utilizing him in this game. As you know, though, or you, you might know, um, he did take a hit in this game kind of early in the game, um, and he went down the tunnel. He did eventually return, only had about 12 minutes of ice time in this game, and then hasn't dressed since and is listed as a day-to-day -day situation, um, and he's a bit banged up. So it was cut a little short, too, as far as what we would get to see from Barron's because he was still just getting looks and kind of competing for that. Um, so those are just things to consider. And what we did get to see of him too so far wasn't a bad look. Like the things we've talked about with Barron's has been details of his footwork um, and his speed has improved. But just uh, I think that's kind of where he maybe had room to improve in what we've seen of him so far. But all of the things we also really love about him as a player were there too. You know, the high IQ. And I think that's why when he was being rotated in, it was on that second pair. Um, so Overall, I don't think it's a bad tournament for him, and I hope that he's okay. I hope that he makes an appearance later in the tournament and it's not a serious thing. You know, because he is 5'10", I think this hit in particular that had him leave the game temporarily um, was very similar to what we've talked about, like with Sam Gerrard. It was just a little bit away from the board. It caught him at a weird angle. Um, so I think he's just hurting a little bit. But he had a shoulder arm thing, too, in the regular season. That's where Megan got a little conspiratorial with this um, is – I wondered if at the start of the tournament, if something was nagging him to begin with. But either way, um, hopefully he's on the mend. Um, and that's kind of the short and simple version for what's going on with Barons right now. No, rest in peace, Barons. <laughs> I'm okay. so sad. It's an interesting conversation. AJ, one I know you and I have had before. Where, you know, the Barons is a top three prospect in the F system. I'll, I'll say that generously, and we'll get more into that tomorrow or, or the next day, I'm sure. But you look at the Av's defensive pool now, and the list is pretty much Barons. And for guys that have genuine NHL upside, it's Barons, and that's it. This has has his development become that much more important where you can feel a little bit disappointed by his usage in this WJC? I don't think so. Okay. Um, I'm like, look, this is a cool tournament. I'm glad, like, I'm glad that they got it in for the kids. But I think one of the things that Megan mentioned there at the beginning was the context that Barron's is one of the younger guys here. And that's always an important thing to consider when you're talking about WJCs because older guys who are never going to get to do this again in their lives, who are not going to be eligible to do this again in a few months in December, are going to get the burn. They're going to get priority here. And in a, in, a couple, in a couple of months in December, Sean Barron's can go back to this thing. And I think that's important to consider here because this is, this is not – a situation where it's it's all about just how are they playing. There's always a little politics involved, uh, a little bit of hierarchy involved when it comes to WJCs. 
Uh, don't ever let anybody tell you otherwise. There's always a like a touch of that. So I won't worry too much about this one. I will say come December, if Barons isn't on the next WJC team, if Barons is not uh, if Barons is not having a really strong sophomore year at DU, then you can start to worry. But until until any of that, none of this, nothing that could possibly happen outside at this tournament outside of injury, of course, because that's always a potential game changer for a kid's development. But nothing that he could do at this tournament should derail the optimism built on an entire freshman year where he was yep. very, very good. Yep. No, I think, I think AJ nails it there. It's, it's, <clears throat> and especially with prospects, we do it at the pro level too, where, you know, you, you want to watch it really closely and you want to be able to draw conclusions and, and um, you know, Oh, this is who that person is. Oh, see when they do that. Uh, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of outside circumstances. I mean, shit aj mentions politics when it comes to these wjc rosters kill mccarr was like by the end of that tournament still considered the extra defenseman despite being named the tournament's top defenseman he was used you know very sparingly power play stuff even though it was obvious he was a step above a lot of other a step ahead of a lot of other people he, he still is considered the extra guy. So I'm with AJ. This is also just a weird WJC, weird circumstances. Uh, I mean, just even just watching this, the energy in the building seems weird. Um, you want to see him do well. Guys under, not necessarily underperform, but not perform to the level that you expected or hoped. Uh, it's never a good thing. But uh, yeah, with a guy like Olison, Olausen, have we come to like a, an agreement of where we – Olison, Olausen. I've heard both. Even the broadcasters yeah. say Olison, but I've heard Olausen. So all of the Swedish casters I've heard say Olausen. But okay. when people come to North America, they regularly like Miko. When Miko came, he was like, "Yeah, it's it's the U.S., so it's ranted and now it's fine." Yeah, <laughs> we bet we bastardized it and just make it our own. Well, because AJ and I, or I, I guess I don't want to speak. For, I've always said Vashalevsky. And people this year started like making fun of me. I'm like, I feel like that's the correct pronunciation. I've called him that his entire career. Yeah, that's that's what I've always thought it was because that's, you know, I know people get annoyed with the Pierre Maguire thing, and he can go overboard. But like, I don't know. I'm sure those guys appreciate that him trying to say the name right. So that's just, I don't know. Anyways, totally derailed this to AJ's point with Oscar. Uh, you you've got him coming back in a few years. You really liked what you saw out of him last year. Um, and, and it's the same with Barron's Barron's had a great freshman year. Don't be concerned. Uh, it's just, yeah. Tournament like this, take a deep breath and use this as kind of a measuring stick to how are they building on this performance? Okay. It's, an yeah, it's a good opportunity for Oscar to kind of an extension of what he was able to demonstrate this year because there was a lack of stability at points. Now he gets a little bit of stability in this tournament. Um, and I feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth when I talk about Olison because the things that he does well and when he's visible are the things that he's not doing at other points when he doesn't look very good. And in this tournament, you've seen shades of both. There have been, one, the role that he plays for Team Sweden is pretty elevated. He, 
I kind of thought he would be on the top line, but he's on that second line uh, wing, and that has still been a wonderful position for him, and it's been really productive. Um, and he's on the, the power play. We obviously saw that finally connect for him, too. He scored a goal last night off the power play, and it's that shot that we talk about so much with him and the tools when it comes to him. That's one of the things that he has in his toolkit. Um, but Rudo and I were talking about it last night, too. There are other things he's doing away from the play at points that, that don't need to be happening. He's puck watching a little bit. Sometimes he engages in contact, but it's not as purposefully as he could. Um, but he also has such great speed for a guy his size. And so sometimes his own entry is so impressive. You just want to see him engage contact even more. He's doing some things well, though, um, for Team Sweden. and He's been one of the top players. I really like what this tournament was for Olison, especially to start what will be next season um, as a launching off point. There have been some things that I like about his game right now and where it's at that are promising for what will be a development year next year, because I think we are all in agreement that it would be premature to start talking about any sort of NHL role that he could play in the near year future. Yeah. I'd, being perfectly honest, I'd be shocked if he plays an NHL game this, this coming season. Um, you never know. Anything's possible. But... <laughs> it would take one whale of a preseason and training camp. I mean, the, uh, I, I don't it. even, I yeah, don't even think that would do it. I think you'd be looking at like the JT Comfort path, where like has a good preseason, goes down to the AHL, absolutely kills it down there, like makes it obvious that he's ready, and then gets a call up midseason. Would be like best case scenario to me. What's um, what about kids like Olausen for me? And again, like this is. This is the only thing really we've talked about with him. It's just it's it's exciting when you see guys that have tools that you know there's a baseline there. And he's got I, I mean, again, I, I just go back to that preseason last year. I'm sitting there watching him in those preseason games. I mean, I think he scored two or three goals uh in the preseason. Uh I mean, like he's got an NHL shot. So, I mean, like the most, the thing that we talk about all the time that gets you paid is the most valuable thing. It's the hardest thing to find is goals in the NHL. And, and he's got that ability. So you like that. You always like that. Not only does this guy have something to build on, he's got a really good, really valuable tool to build on. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you like that from him in like what you said is, is in what is going to be a development year. Like it, so if you're trying to build an NHL player, okay, so like finish line, okay, the the logo's here, so we'll say the NHL finish line is like right here, okay. You start like all the way back here. I'll start at the very back end of the cup, okay. You start all the way back <laughs> here, end of the Stanley Cup, but it's fine. When when you when you no no we're not doing that. Uh, so you start you start back here. You're trying to build an NHL player. The shot puts you like right here. Just immediately, like, bam. And then you have to work on all those other things along. The, okay, the, the size, moving forward a little more. The the skating, moving forward a little more. All right? This is still, the, let's just, obviously this is a completely arbitrary thing, but, like, he still has this far to go. I can fit my whole head in here. Yeah. He still has this far to go to get to the NHL. Like, there's a lot of work to be done because the other aspects of his game are still that lacking, still need that kind of develop development. And him being in the AHL, like, 
this is great because we get to see him against his peer group. Because this yeah. is the last time we're gonna, that's going to happen. There's no more seeing him against the peer group after this. He's going to go to the AHL. He's in professional hockey in North America. It's sink or swim time. All right. So this is the last time we get to see him matched up against the kids his age. That's just how this works with European guys, uh, especially European guys. Uh, with Barons, he gets to go back to college and he gets to kind of he gets to kind of decide his own timeline. And he has he has a little bit of a different path ahead of him. With with Olison, he this is it for his peer group, and then he's in pro hockey, and he's trying to climb directly over all the other guys that are going to be in front of him who have been in Colorado's pro system for a year or two now. Uh, some guys maybe even a little longer, like a count. But he's got to try and climb past all those guys now. Where how far how far like how how much do they give him an advantage when he gets there? How far in does he start? How much work does he actually like? If he starts ahead a couple of a couple of those guys, it's a huge boon for him. If they put him on the third line to start the season, which I think is probably where he ends up, it just makes the most sense to me that he starts there. Have the AHL, a couple of AHL veterans, a couple of prospects start kind of in that range, and then he ends up on that third line to start. Let him work his way up. Cater to what he does well. Don't put him into a checking role and ask him to check. You do need to work on those aspects of his game, but you also have to let him be him. You have to tailor some of this to him. You have to let him you have to let him do the things that he does well and put him in a position to succeed, which is where we consistently see the Avalanche struggle with prospects in the AHL. They're trying to they're trying to continually jam the square into the round peg and you're just like this continues to not work, Craig. Stop. Right. Well, and, and so for me, what's, what's fun about, uh, you know, Olison and, and any of you jump in and, and tell me if you guys, you know, maybe think differently here, what I like about this. And again, maybe this is just the whole insanity thing. Me expecting something different this time, but what, what's exciting is because of those tools that, that you kind of mentioned, AJ, you know, the, the, the shot, the size, you know, Megan, you, you were talking about that too. You're hoping that, those just raw tools are going to just naturally give him some more opportunities, some more looks at the ice. Hey, this is just put all of our guys out there on the ice at a practice. This is one of our most skilled guys. So we're going to want him out there, uh, you know, late in games. When, if we're trying to even up the score, we're going to want him out there on power plays. We want the puck on his stick. And you just hope that this is a, that his, his tools that where he really excels are, Trying to think of the right way to say this. I guess like the right kind that they're going to put him in situations. You know, look at a guy like Cout, who we've talked about now for years. What he does well is he skates and he brings energy and he gets into the corners and he digs pucks out and, you know, playmaking. And then the other stuff is all complimentary. And while it's all good, I just think it's, it, that's where they maybe get themselves like, oh, well then we're just going to put him in that kind of role. It's Nope. This is a guy who it's Burakovsky. Your tweet yesterday cracked me up. You know, <laughs> it, you know. It's it's funny. Two things you mentioned there. You want the puck on his stick, one hundred percent. He is by far at his best with the puck on his stick. When he's playing with the puck, that's when he's doing stuff for you. Two, if you could give that guy Martin Kaut's brain, he'd be an NHLer today. Mm -hmm. Martin Kaut is so good playing off the puck, particularly on the defensive side of the puck, and that's a significant mm -hmm. area of improvement that you need to see out of Olausen. So. If he can, if he can figure out how to think the game a little bit better away from the puck, 
I think that's the might not be his weakest skill, but it's the skill that will give him the most in getting him towards an NHL role. And Megan, I wanted to go to you to this uh, because if you look at historically Olausen's numbers throughout his junior career, a little bit of a Cy Young guy, definitely leans heavily on the goal scoring ability, but you got to see him in the playoffs with the Eagles. You've been seeing him at this WJC's and he's been facilitating play a little bit more, distributing pucks a little bit better. Is that a skill that is coming up for him or is it just the role that he's kind of been given? I think it's the skill that's coming up for him. And and it is a role that he's been given too, because he, especially after the trade in the middle of the last season, was given a kind of a different role on Oshawa than he was given in Barry. And so I think he did have to lean into um, being a puck distributor just a little bit more. And I think he did a fine enough job of it. I actually think sometimes he would choose the option to pass overshoot more than he should. And it took away from his shot, which is one of his strengths. Um, so I think it's something that he could lean into because I think he is quietly just trying to make the most of the opportunities he's given. And that's sort of been where he's held, been held back so far too. So even like looking at next season, I hope he starts from a third line point and, and moves upward from there um, because of how he was utilized at the very end of the Eagles season last year. He was put on the fourth line, really sheltered, and it's hard for him to thrive in that role, especially in such a short amount of time and in so few games that we've seen. Um, so it's something that he could really lead into, especially if he's given more opportunity and flexibility to lead into that next year. So where do you stand on what AJ was talking about earlier? Sure, Olausen has four assists. It's something you want to see him flex into. Well, you know, it's pretty easy when you're playing for Sweden's top six. You got a lot of talent around you. You've got those opportunities. When you're playing on an AHL third line, you might not quite have the finishers around you that he does right now. How does he balance that? He just has to. I <laughs> Because of what he's working towards and the lineup that he's working through, um, because this is true of even Sample Ranta. Like if Ranta wants this to be the year that he – makes it or breaks it, he also has to overcome these same exact challenges. Um, and Olsen is in a position where he could really separate himself from some of the other up and coming wingers. Like even I look at Foodie, Foodie's slot on the wing is Olsen's for the taking if he can overcome what he has to on the third line because Foodie had to overcome it too. And it's just perseverance. Um, it's leaning into the community around him too. Like that was how Foodie was able to elevate last season as well. It, it takes a village. Like Olsen has to go within um, and just accept that. But I also think he did that with Oshawa because of his util utilization there. He was bounced around, um, you know, third, fourth line at times, second line, and he just persevered. So he just has to work through it. The whole Oshawa thing was a total disaster. Yeah, it, it, the trade for them never made sense. Yeah. It's really weird. Um, anyway, we have some more stuff on Olausen coming. I'm going to probably do a video in the next couple days. Megan will probably have a full WJC review once it's all said and done. Um, quarterfinals are tomorrow. If you want to watch some of that, uh, you can catch all of the important action. It looks like both USA and Canada pretty dominant in the preliminaries. So we'll see, but 
we are brought to you by FOCO. You can go to FOCO.com today to get all of your merchandise for the big sports in Colorado. And, you know, Rapids, Buffs, they got you covered top to bottom with memorabilia, whether it be clothing, jerseys, that kind of stuff, or it's stuff like bobbleheads, Crocs, collectibles, pins. I, I always forget some of the other stuff they have because it's so out there. You You'd be really surprised. So if you're into sports collectibles, FOCO is the place to go. Again, check them out at FOCO.com today. And, of course, we're brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNBR. You can find it at your local liquor store today anywhere in the United States. And it sounds like the bar will be open for the NFL season. Not the preseason. That's already happening. But the regular season. So... Excited to get people back in there once it's all complete, where, of course, you have eight different kinds of Breck Brew on tap. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I don't really know what this conversation was. I'm assuming it was a Twitter thing or something, but something about hype music. Oh, no, I just I uh, <laughs> I just tweeted out. Is there a song? Can anybody name a song that in like any room gets people more hyped than Mr. Brightside? Like half of the songs that are popular from Queen. Yeah, yeah for sure. But, but I, I'm, I'm talking about with the broad appeal. Play Mr. Brightside in any room. Now you can play Queen in any room, bro. Which, like what? Just general Queen? Yeah, pick you. You mean to tell Pretty me? That, yeah. You mean to tell me that if you played Bohemian Rhapsody in any room, people so, so, wouldn't so that, so that's get like the name into of the it? I was looking for the name of a song. I mean, maybe, maybe, yeah. But I don't know, Jay. I just feel like everywhere you go, anywhere you go, you could play Mr. Brad. Not whether you like the song or not, people lose their mind. Came on my shuffle earlier, and I was just like, "Oh fuck yeah!" So hyped I mean, in the club. It's kind of like it's kind of like Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks. Like you hear that song come on, whether or not you like it, you're jamming out to right. it. Right. You're just like, right. all right, we we do it this. The bar is now this. <laughs> right. Uh how is how is this a bad music take? It was a question. Yeah. Like Mr. Brightside <laughs> is in that conversation. Yeah. I feel like lots of people go Don't. crazy when they hear it. Don't worry. I got the bad food takes. I got the bad music takes, too. The killers aren't actually that good. Oh, I can't stand the killers. I can't stand them. I take it personally every time somebody puts them on at the bar. Even Mr. Brightside. Yeah, I can't. I just I, I hate it, dude. I, it, it's like it's like hearing Blitzkrieg pop. It makes me want to blow my brains out. I can't. I hate it so much. <laughs> I hate it so much hearing it. It's it, like what's... it's like. It's like it's like crawling naked through a field of pine cones. What is Megan? What is your music genre? We know AJ's an emo boy. Uh, I feel like I don't have one genre I listen to exclusively, and part of it's because I used to dance uh, competitively, and so I did a lot of hip hop. But I don't necessarily like consider myself just a hip hop person. Um, I like. Shania Twain. I threw her in the chat. I like her a lot. Who doesn't like Shania Twain? I'm kind of all over the place, and that actually feels like one of my worst qualities is my musical taste, because I don't really have a singular genre that I'm committed to. 
Yeah. I wouldn't say it's a bad quality. Like most people. Your answer like to I'm, music is yes. It's lowbrow. Yeah. I don't know. I <laughs> could throw anything I'm, on and I'll probably like it. I'm I'm offended that I got put as an emo boy solely as an emo boy. Oh come on. You, don't you make do me bring C on the show. She'll, she'll, she'll bury no. you for emo. No, she'll she'll be like half the time I walk by his office, he's listening to country music. <laughs> I don't know. You 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 do. I, I I thought emo boy was appropriate in the moment. I don't not. No, I'm he, not saying you are. But I won't argue context, with the designation, but solely is that. Give me a break. Definitely, definitely a lot of country in there too. So you 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 wear the mascara and a cowboy hat. It's it's fine. Yeah, the the gas mask and leather dreads under the under the bridge and <laughs> cowboy boots to cap it off. There it is. There it is. Uh, and like obviously, obviously, anything Celine Dion is going to have a similar impact. You know Hell this. Does. I know this. Uh, no, but I just uh, there's been a couple occasions in the last few months where I've been somewhere. And Mr. Brightside has come on, and it's been very different, very different settings. People just get hyped. Even people that don't like the killers get hyped on that song. I've actually heard it's like the greatest song of all time in Europe. Like it still, still regularly cracks the top 100 in Europe. Mr. Brightside? Yeah. Not surprised. (laughs) Not surprised. Good song. Great song, even. Next time, next uh, next winners winners lounge show we have. I'm paying like 14 bucks just Mr. Bryside one after another. Oh god, on no. repeat. We'll mix it in all the small things and uh, Blitzkrieg Bop just for AJ. It I no not acceptable. <laughs> I hope the new bar has ejector seats in the studios so that we can get it off of. Podcasts. Yeah, no, we have control in the new bar. We're, that's seven skips in a row right there. Oh, that's do we that. really? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Sick. That's more realistic. <laughs> I'm here for the ejector seat too, though. Yeah. yeah. I like the ejector seat idea. Also, I like uh, theme songs. Yes, good call on theme songs because. Uh, I don't know how you could listen to either the Power Rangers or the Pokemon theme song and not get a little jazzed up. Ooh, true. Uh, it's for me. It's X Men. It's an old X Men cartoon. Oh, also, uh, I mean, that was my ringtone for like years. That was my ringtone. Was that song? <laughs> that's uh, that's one that just that that beginning, like before the theme even starts playing, it's like that. Duh, duh, duh. I'm like, oh fuck. <laughs> Sailor Moon, excellent. Halo, excellent. Yeah, Halo, Halo's a little different. Like that's not a theme song that gets me like amped up. I'm not like no, because Ooh, really? like the in-game the in-game music is always the one that really like fires that, me up. It's just, not like the Halo theme. The Halo I theme I kind of just want to sit at the menu and listen to it. That guitar riff hits, and you're not amped. Not in not in the same way where I'm like, it's all right, Master Chief. Let's do this. <sighs> let's single handedly uh, take down the flood. I heard the show sucked. I wanted to start watching. Yeah, don't watch it. Okay. Don't. Actually, like, do you know? No. Do you care about? If you don't care about Halo, it's probably fine. But like. I didn't know there was a show. If you have respect for the game, you'll probably hate it. Uh, I, I've just I've heard that 
for being like a Halo show, there's a surprisingly small amount of Master Chief. And it's like, that's why everyone's here. Like everyone's here to watch what he's like in like a cinematic setting. I've heard it's just mostly about like all the dudes hanging out with him. Uh, This right here. Look, if you haven't seen Doctor Strange at this point and you're wanting to, it's on Disney Plus. Uh, when they introduce Professor X, they they play like the X-Men 93 like rift underneath. Oh, so sick. Isn't is the Law and Order theme song just those two notes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um Okay. Hey, what gets you hype is what gets you hyped, all right? True, I guess. <laughs> no, can't argue with that. I don't like All right, I did not think this conversation was going to go this way. I thought we were going to talk about like hype songs. No, like I was, Eye of the Tiger and all that, but Eye of the Tiger doesn't go for me. Man. I agree. Me, I actually me agree. Yeah, no, it's not. That's not my thing at all. Well, and, and honestly, like someone put Thunderstruck in there. I don't think yeah. that like that song doesn't like. The beginning is kind of cool. Yeah, but, like the song itself kind of sucks. <laughs> it's a hard take. Yeah. I don't think it would get the whole room singing, but well, I don't no, think and that's what I mean. Like, like this, like it's like it's a good stuff. But I mean, in terms of like everyone gets hyped at that beginning part, and then the rest, it's like, oh no, this is just like, this is just a cool song. Like, this is a good song that we like. Do we need to bring this up again? Like the Saber started doing it this year. Individual goal songs. Yeah, uh, the the Lightning do it too. So there's Come a on. big Sick. thing. There's a big thing with uh, everybody losing their shit over Edwin Diaz's walkout song, the the closer for the New York Mets. Uh, they somebody recently did like a like they had the camera like follow behind him as as he was running in as the song was playing, and it was so sick and people lost their shit. And I have been sitting around wondering for the last week what would be my like closer if I was a closer in baseball, what my song would be, and I just I just don't know. You just be the coldest mofo on the planet and play closing time every time you <laughs> walk out on. <laughs> as long as you never blow a save, it's perfect. Yeah. Nar- Narco, see, everybody in chat knows what I'm talking about. Narco is awesome. The tr- When the trumpets get going, I'm like, this is so ominous. I feel like he's about to beam 12 dudes in a row. Oh, it's it's so intense. I love it. But no, we're talking about like cold songs. One. I would I would love instead of goals instead of goal songs like we're talking about like walkout music like what about starting lineup like intro songs Oh I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Would I... it be different for each player? Yeah. Each yeah. player would yeah. get to pick their own song. So it's kind of like a goal song except when you're, you know, when when you're in the starting lineup, you get yeah. you get that one. So it'd be a little bit more of a prolonged like you'd have to elongate starting lineup announcements by Yeah. 90 seconds, two minutes. Nah, I mean, I like it. Anything that's more fun. Every time we have t- conversation like this, center around hockey, I always come back to if it's fun, do it. And uh, that's why I, I like also hope people pick the Macarena. Great call. I don't need more Macarena facts in my life. We don't yeah. need to go here. Yeah. Fun fact. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think I told you guys all I know about the Macarena. Yep. <laughs> I do remember that. We emptied that tank. Sorry. 
yeah, Steven Stamkos having hammer time. Like, that's a great one for what it is. Not like a hype I, song. Like, but... Do we need to graduate from songs to just, like, audio oh, clips? Oh, absolutely. Megan's like, I'm already seven clips deep pulled to ready, ready to uh, talk. I, like, score a goal and then play Bane's speech from The Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when he's in front of the prison, yeah. you were <laughs> merely adopted by the darkness. I would want the the little kids singing the national anthem, like just if I score a goal, that really high pitched national anthem kid from Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> All right, the stadium blows up. I'm taking Fergie's national anthem then. Oh my oh god! To this day, one of my favorite videos <laughs> as the, as they're panning around, showing everyone's faces, trying not to laugh in the building. Hilarious. <laughs> okay. That was so crazy because it's like you're here because your voice is amazing. Like you're here because everyone wa- like everyone was so hyped to hear you do the national anthem. What is this? This is like some weird remix. That's... It was so odd. The the best tweet I saw about that was like she practiced this in front of someone and they had to tell her <laughs> that it was good. All right, he, all right. Here's a here's a new. You're ready. Here's a new little <laughs> sidebar. I've talked about this with people for years, and I've like joked about like I'm gonna start just an independent consulting company. You pay me by the hour to come into your like final meetings, and I'm just gonna like we'll just give you our opinion, a raw consumer opinion. Take it or leave it. No one gives a shit. Because stuff like that, like someone gave Fergie the green light to go do that because nobody wanted to say no to Fergie. Nobody wanted to be like, I don't know. I think that sounds pretty fucking insane. And I think everyone's going to think it's really weird, but you know, whatever. Everyone was like, yeah, Fergie, it's great. We love it. Anything you want. And you see it constantly. You see products get released, ads get put out. Then it's like, how did nobody stand up and say, eh, maybe we shouldn't do that. And it's because everyone's just like, which I get it. Like I've been in those meetings where it's like, I'm not going to stand up and say something here. The last job I was at, there was actually a meeting that I was in where like I was in it with my boss. And then we had like a, like a director running the meeting. And he said something that I told my boss on zoom. I was like, yo, that's, you know, we need to make sure we bring up this, that, and the other, make sure we're checking on that. And he actually was like, yeah, no, no, now's not the place. And, we, and like, we ended up doing it. It was a huge disaster. It's like, oh, but I guess it wasn't appropriate to bring it up. More people just need to be told, no, this is dumb. No, this is a bad idea. And I actually feel like yeah, NHL GMs got like, everyone hired that for the first time this off season. Or there's someone like, nah. It's a scene in Moneyball where they're looking at uh, Jonah Hill and he just shakes his head and they decide not to do it. That's what everyone needs. Everyone needs that. So you end up with Fergie doing that for the national anthem if you don't. If you could go back in your life and remake one decision where you had a person in the room that just was there just to tell you no, which decision would it be? The list is endless. Uh, (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, This is going to sound really cliche. There's there's a, one girl in particular that I wish someone would have just been like, "Hey, dude, just just leave it nah. alone." That one, that one took, <laughs> that one took years off my life in two months. 
boy. AJ, do you have one? I don't think so. I have plenty of little things from my childhood that my parents supported me on. And I look back and I'm like, why did you let me do that? (laughs) But there's one funnier than this. But the first that came to mind was Grasshopper Hotel. And basically, I just collected grasshoppers and they they were supportive of this and I shouldn't have trapped them in grasshopper hotel thankfully I came to my senses and I released all of them but like that should never have been a thing slow down I was gonna say hold on hold on hold on you can't just gloss over that grasshopper hotel look like like (laughs) were there different floors yeah I was gonna say somebody worked the desk me apparently it was like Hotel just, California. They could check you, but they could never leave. Just like have here like now. ten grasshoppers battle to the death. In there like were so a- many more than ten. <laughs> there were so many more than ten, and I tried to differentiate them. I was trying to like name them and oh. identify different grasshoppers from each other, and that's where I started to lose it a little bit. <laughs> right, here's the real. This is the most important question. When was this? I like two years I'm trying ago. to remember. Yeah, yeah. It's like last it's month. I was, in, I was in third grade, I want to say, because uh, we lived in Japan. I remember this is where I did it. Um, okay. But so third grade, thereabouts. All right. Yeah, I mean, so Grasshopper Hotel was just a shoebox full of grasshoppers. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like PetSmart has that, like to feed like frogs and stuff. Like you can just go like scoop grasshoppers out of the box. So, I mean, like yeah, you were essentially like a neighborhood PetSmart. They right? were in the wild. I was taking them. <laughs> <laughs> Where did so like you're telling me that there was like a community of grasshoppers in Japan that oh, thought yeah. that you were straight up Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There there was so much wildlife in Japan, first of all. So I'm glad that's the only thing I decided to bother with. There were so many bats. There were so many snakes. Uh, I'm also impressed that you were able to find way quote, way more than ten grasshoppers. Yeah. Just like to quickly throw in a box. How did you catch them? <laughs> yeah. What? Was there a process? Did you have it mastered? No, and that's why I think I injured one, and that's when I decided to stop Grasshopper Hotel. Um, But I I would try to scoop them with, like, a leaf so that I wasn't actually picking them up. But I... Animal Crossing in real life, just swinging her head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Did your, like... Did you keep it in your closet? Was your closet, like, chirping every night? It was thankfully all outdoors. (laughs) So you put them in a box and left the box outside. Just for them to sweat in the heat and die of heat exhaustion? Whoa. I know. Sounds like Megan's private horror movie more than it was Grasshopper Hotel. Thankfully, it came to an end pretty quickly. So that's something that you wish someone would have told you no on, eh? Absolutely. (laughs) Can't imagine why. All right, is that is that a good place to leave this? I don't even know what to say after that. I'm good. How do you how do you transition out of Grasshopper <laughs> Hotel into something else? I just don't know how you recover from that. <laughs> you end the show, I guess. That's yeah, the and then <laughs> when I'm not here tomorrow, you guys, I'm I'm stuck in Grasshopper Hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't hear from me. Check. check. 
Check a shoebox that Megan recently had ownership of. This is, I wasn't trying to injure the grasshoppers. <laughs> you were just trying to kidnap them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, oh, it's rough out there, little buddy. Like, come to the hotel. Oh, I don't know. Come hang out with all these other grasshoppers that I'm I've kidnapped. To take the grasshopper out of the grass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Turn them into a cardboard <laughs> hopper. Where the only thing to eat is other grasshoppers. You know what? Maybe I was saving them from all of that wildlife in Japan. The giant bats. I would say the, the bats made them. I mean, you did you like give the them wildlife? Yeah, did you give them water? <laughs> what do grasshoppers even eat? I gave them grass. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. <laughs> and those grasshoppers lived happily ever after. Yeah, and sure. that was. No doubt. Not a single one of those way more than 10 died yeah. at all, for yeah. sure. When I don't she, think so, honestly. I don't she think emptied so. Grasshopper Hotel, they all hopped away. Yeah, I mean, I don't recall any dying. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so when, yes, thank you. So, let's see, you said you were in third grade. What year would this have been? 2004? Okay, so Battle Royale came out in 2000. Because <laughs> that's basically all this is. <laughs> <laughs> mind, mind of Maddie and I were on the same page with yeah, yeah, I was going with say. Battle Royale. Yep. I don't know. All right, let's it. get out of here. <laughs> yeah, we, we got to wrap this up before we lose our minds. I was saying, before <laughs> Tina gets into this. Um, oh, yeah. No, I'm in, I'm in big trouble, guys. We... We'll be back tomorrow talking about some stuff. Uh, AJ's, you're gone, so we'll probably save the prospect stuff for Thursday. Um, but, yeah, we'll be back the next couple days talking hockey, getting into the Yams prospect pool, things like that. Uh, we appreciate all y'all hanging out with us. Back on the main channel now. Back where we belong with the cool kids. Um, yeah, that's all I got for you. So, until the next time, we'll talk to you later.